Have you ever been given an answer to a question you never asked? Or maybe you ever thought was important. Have you ever had someone just kind of tell you something that you're like, I didn't know I needed to know this? If you spend time with kids, there's a good chance that you've had an experience with children like this. Maybe they'll tell you some interesting fact about dinosaurs or who the strongest Pokemon is. And you're like, I didn't need to know that. I didn't think I was important in my life. Or maybe someone will tell you why there's such a conspiracy in the corn industry. And you're like, why, do you, why is so much corn produced? And why is it in gasoline and all those things? And you go, I didn't know I needed to know that. Some of us have so many interesting facts that we know that we sometimes share them and people don't realize, hey, this is a question I never, never really asked. This morning, we might be trying to answer a question that maybe you've never tried to ask or maybe you, it hasn't seemed like it's an important one to you, but really it's a question that we should be asking and one that we should be reflecting on in some ways regularly. And that is, who is Jesus? There have been people throughout history trying to explain who Jesus is, and people have various interpretations of that. But to do that most effectively, my hope is not to say who is Jesus based on what other people say, but who is Jesus based on what Jesus has said. Who does Jesus say he is? And why does that matter? Over the next few weeks, we're starting this new series called I Am, which is going to be looking at the statements that Jesus makes about himself. The term I am comes up multiple times throughout scripture, but in particular, we are looking at John's gospel, because John has a way of writing his story about Jesus to try and draw us in and help us know who Jesus is and why that matters. And so when he uses a term like I am, he's reminding his audience, he's reminding us about what God called himself in the first place. Some of us are familiar with the story of the Ten Commandments. Maybe we've seen the movie. Maybe we've read the scripture. And we've seen how God, when he interacts with Moses, and Moses says, who am I going to say has sent me? God says, tell them I am sent you. So there's this deep, profound meaning in these words, even though they're so simple and might be overlooked. So who is Jesus according to Jesus? That, I think, is an important question that we're going to answer. And we're going to start off in John's Gospel, in John chapter 6. And we're going to begin with one of the first, well, the first I am statement that Jesus makes. And over the next few weeks, we're going to explore the rest of them. And this first one comes at a point in the story of Jesus where he's been performing miracles. He had just performed a miracle where he multiplied bread and he multiplied fishes for a crowd of 5,000 people. And then the people were all well-fed and there was so much food left over that they had baskets full to bring home. Jesus has done this incredible miracle and there's this interesting little verse in verse chapter 6, verse 15, where it speaking of the people he had just fed, says that they intended to take Jesus by force and make him king. So Jesus takes off. This crowd that was just fed in a miraculous way wants to basically kidnap Jesus and prop him up to be king over the people at that time. They want him to fulfill a role for them that they were looking to get fulfilled. And so it says that Jesus wasn't about that life. He goes off 
into the wilderness typically is the words that get used or he goes off into a lonely place and he goes to be by himself. After that, his disciples go off to sea to go to the next place and Jesus walks on water to get to them. And then when he gets into the boat, they end up on the other side. And we're going to jump in in verse 25 of chapter 6 and see how this story unfolds and who Jesus says he is in this context and in ours. It says, When they found him on the other side of the lake, so this is the group of people who had been observing him, who had gotten fed, they wanted to follow Jesus, and they saw that Jesus was not in, there was only one boat that left, so they thought, well, Jesus isn't with his disciples wherever they went, so they went to one place, and Jesus was, and his disciples weren't there, so they went to another leading them to Capernaum. It says, When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So they're looking for Jesus. And Jesus says to them, the reason you're looking for me is not because you want to hear what I have to say. It's not because you actually even want to be around me. You just want more food. Some of us know this experience. Sometimes our children are like this. Really, the only time they talk to us is when they want to be fed again. And you're like, okay, we can work with that, I guess. So Jesus says to these people that all they're worried about is what they're going to eat. That's what motivated them in this time to seek for Jesus. And so the question becomes, well, what are we looking for when we look for Jesus? Are we looking in the sense of proverbial food of sorts? To have our need for that moment met in such a way physically, tangibly, that we feel satisfied. For some of us, when we go to Jesus, that's what we do. We, we have a list of things we want to share with God about what we need, and we want those things answered. And those things aren't inherently wrong or bad or anything like that. It's just that becomes the priority. Meet my need in this moment. So what am I looking for when I seek Jesus? In verse 28 says, Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? So Jesus has said to them, well, you're coming after food, and that's not really what I'm about, and I've got something to offer you that is so much better. And they say, well, what do we got to do to get that? What kind of things do we need to do? Their question is, is, what is my life going to look like? How am I going to do this? What am I going to do to earn this gift that God is going to give me through Jesus? And sometimes we approach Jesus in the exact same way. We have that list of things that we want met, and we think, if I do these things, I will get what I want. If I just pray more, if I just go to church more, if I just tithe more, if I just serve the poor more, if I just uh, you know, start a Sunday school class, if I just, if I just, and we think, what do I have to do to get this approval from God so that I get what I've been asking for. And you might be thinking, well, no, that's not me, and it might not be you. 
But sometimes we slip into this and not even realize. Sometimes we slip, slip into a way of expressing our faith that actually voids it of Jesus and becomes more about what do I do to get what I want. The term that gets used for this is moralistic therapeutic deism. Moralistic therapeutic deism essentially says that, well, I believe in God, that God created everything, that God is, you know, above all, and he's watching over us, and that God wants us to treat others with kindness and goodness, you know, the the good side of things for sure. And, well, the goal in life with this God who's telling me to treat other people kindly is for me to be happy, to be satisfied, to get what I want so I feel good. And God's not really involved in my life unless, well, I need something to satisfy it. And since, well, you know, I've been good, I get to go to heaven. This kind of thinking, even if we would say, no, that's not me, is very present in our lives. Sometimes we just get into it and don't even realize that we start thinking, what do I need to do to make God happy with me? What do I need to do to earn my place with God? What do I need to do to get that bread that I had once before? This is the question that these people are asking. And this is the question that sometimes we end up asking and don't even realize it. What do I need to do to earn my place with God? And what if I don't earn it? The text continues, and Jesus responds to them. He says, Jesus answers, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Simple. They ask, what do we need to do to earn this? What do we need to do to get our place with God? What do we need to do to get this extra bread that you're talking about? What do we need to do to answer these prayers that we've been praying? And Jesus says, well, actually, you don't really have to do much. You have to believe in me. That's it. To which, well... They respond, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, and it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So Jesus, talking to a crowd that he had delivered bread to, let's keep this in mind, they had eaten a fullness of bread when there shouldn't have been bread, Say, hey, well, how are you going to prove we should believe in you? How are you going to demonstrate a sign that we should believe in you, Jesus? The same group that he's already done something for kind of forgot that he did something for them. And says, hey, do you remember when God gave manna in the, our story of Exodus? You know, they had no food. They were roaming through the desert, freedom from Egypt, but they're waiting to get into the promised land, and there's no food. So God provides manna from heaven, the word that means, what's this? And they make bread out of it, these flakes that kind of come down. And so these people are saying, well, you know, this was a sign that God sent Moses. What's your sign, Jesus? Again, forgetting that he just made them all bread out of nothing. He says, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. 
Sir, they said, always give us this bread. So they, they have this understanding that, well, we want this. Yeah, okay. So we want it. We're still looking for that sign, but we want this. And then he says, well, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up to the last day. For my Father's will is that everybody who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. So Jesus says to them, I am that bread you've been looking for. They have this understanding that, well, bread is really important. They've gotten bread from Jesus at one point. They kind of forget the miraculous event that took place. But they understand, and throughout Scripture, if we are familiar with it in the Old Testament, bread comes up over and over again. We, have it, we see it with Moses in the wilderness where God provides flakes of manna that turn into bread. We see it as a presence of God in the temple, the shoe bread that gets talked about in the Old Testament. And here Jesus says, well, I am the bread you're really craving. I am the bread of life. The word that gets used for life here is really important. There are two words that get used in Greek for life. One is bios, like where we get biology and and things like that. And it's essentially the word to exist, existence. And then there's another word, zoe, which makes a great name, but also means life. And the sense of zoe or zoa or zeo, depending on how you read it, is that there's something more to just existing. So when Jesus says he is the bread of life, he's not the bread of existence, he is the bread of Zoe. He's the bread of fullness that only he can provide. Something more than just what is going to sustain them for the moment in that day, and they'll be fed, and then they'll get hungry again. Something more than what Moses experienced when he was given the gift from bread from heaven that sustained life, existence, for 40 years. He was giving something more. Jesus is the fullness of life provided for us to embrace, to experience, to change us. When Jesus answers this crowd, he says, well, I am the very thing you don't even realize you're asking for. They say, well, give us a sign. And he says, well, listen, I am that sign. Show us why. Show us like God has shown us before. Well, he's already done that. He is what they've been waiting for, and they don't even realize it. In John's gospel later on, Jesus is going to be speaking, and he says that he came to give us life in all of its fullness. He uses again the word zoe or zeo, and it's a fullness of life that's beyond just existing. 
And to experience this fullness of life that's beyond just existing, of going to your 9-to-5 job, of coming home and making dinner, of watching Netflix, of, of just going to school, of whatever it might be, beyond that just reality that we do exist and we have to exist and we all exist if we're watching this right now, there is a life to be offered us in its fullness that is beyond just those mundane things that is only found in the bread of life. In Jesus. And Jesus says, the one thing you have to do to experience that is not, you know, go to church more, is not tune into live stream and make comments when you're on it. It's not to give more, it's not to pray more, it's not to serve more, it's actually to believe in Him. That's it. And that's the offer of the fullness of life. There needs to be some kind of desire that we have to experience that. For many of us, we we desire it in the sense that we're like, hey, give me a sign that this is a good choice. We are just like that crowd who has experienced something at one point where bread was given to us and we're like, hey, that wasn't enough. I'm hungry again. What are you going to show me today? And Jesus says it's not about that bread in the physical sense of a sandwich or whatever we have, but it's about something deeper for you that only he offers and can only be found in him. And so we go about seeking what we can do to get that bread, to get that life, but sometimes it's in vain because the only thing we can find it in is in him. And we've moved him out of the equation sometimes. We've made it about, well, God is watching over everything, God has made everything, and God is there to provide for my needs, so when I need something, I'll ask him. As opposed to, The Jesus who walked on earth, who met with crowds, who physically fed them, who performed miracles, and asked us to be his friend and to be with him always. When we devoid our faith of the Jesus who wants a relationship with us to the God who's just out there waiting to answer whatever we demand, we miss the life that Jesus came to give us. And we're never going to get it if that's all we do. Jesus says, I am the bread of life because he is the only one who can actually give us that life. And no matter how we search for it, if we do it outside of him, we won't find it. When Jesus says this, He wants us to listen. He wants us to know that our life and the fullness that he offers can only be found in him. No pursuits of employment or raises or even our families can actually satisfy us in the way we are longing for. Employment, raises, schooling, families, these are all good things. But the real void is only filled by the bread of life, Jesus himself. So here's some questions that maybe you haven't been asking, but maybe you should. Are you spiritually hungry? Do you want this fullness of life that Jesus offers you? Do you want more 
than just asking God for when you have a need and looking for a response? Do you want more than just showing up to church on a Sunday or watching a live stream? Do you want more than to just exist? Do you want the bread of life? How are you feeding that hunger? Maybe you would say, well, no, I'm not spiritually hungry, actually. I'm quite satisfied. We're good. I'm coasting. It's nice. No problems. Maybe you would say, well, I am spiritually hungry, but I've figured out how to feed myself. Well, how are you feeding that hunger? If you have this desire for more than just possessions and want his presence, what are you doing to feed that hunger? What is it that you consume? What is it that you supply yourself with readily? Is it drawing you closer to this bread of life or further away? How are you feeding a spiritual hunger? Chances are, if you're not experiencing much of a spiritual hunger, and we've, we've all been there at times, there's no shame in it. If you're not, you're, you might be thinking, well, you know, I just, I just like showing up on Sunday online or in person, and that's good for now. Usually when we don't have a craving for more, it's because we're not exposing ourselves to what it is. You know this with real food. When you have an amazing meal, you might be satisfied, but you're thinking, wow, where do I get another one? When you've experienced the fullness that can be offered to us in life, you crave for more. You were made to crave for more. So are you craving it? Are you spiritually hungry? And what is it that you are feeding yourself to keep that craving going? And the final question is, is Jesus enough for you? And this is a really hard one to answer. And again, you might never have thought of asking yourself this question. Because you would maybe want to say, if you were speaking out loud now, you'd be like, yeah, for sure, Jesus is enough. But is he really? Really, really? How do you demonstrate that? There are times where maybe it seems like Jesus is enough, and that seems very real and it's true. And there are other times where maybe we're craving other things, like serving more because we're not getting the responses we want like giving more, like praying more, like doing more to try and get that answer we're looking for. What if the only answer is Jesus? Is that enough for you? If it's not, that's okay. There's no shame in it. But we need to be honest. These people that followed Jesus, they, they got in boats and they were looking for physical food. That's why they were showing up. All they got was Jesus, and that wasn't enough for them. Is Jesus enough for you? There's an adage that basically goes that you never, um, that you never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And for so many of us, Jesus is not all we have. We have possessions. We have relationships. We have Netflix. And it's easy to ignore the presence of Jesus and the offer of life in its fullness when we have so much. 
Is Jesus enough for you? My prayer is that he is. Many of us have probably seen on social media or in other avenues in the Ukraine, there was a choir singing hymns or worship songs while their city is being attacked. That's an evidence of when Jesus is all you have, he is enough. People who live fairly comfortable lives are having that taken away from them, and yet they can still praise the God of creation. Is Jesus enough for you? This isn't meant to make you feel guilty. is isn't meant to bring shame, but it's meant for an honest reflection. Because Jesus asks one thing, that you believe in him. You believe in the one who God sent. So when Jesus says who he is, he is the one that God sent for the purpose for all to know him and all to experience eternal life. Not all do, but the offer is for everyone. And it is only through Jesus that we experience this, that we experience the life and the fullness that he offers. My prayer is that you know this bread of life, and this bread of life is enough for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are uh, the God who is present with us in Jesus, even when we don't always know it. I pray that as we uh, go about our days, that we can really honestly reflect that this question of, Jesus, are you enough for us? That we can be truthful with ourselves and truthful with you. And by the work of your Holy Spirit, come to know the life and fullness that you do offer and we sometimes miss. Jesus, I would be lying to say that I always believe you're enough. And I pray for myself, too, to know that truth, that you are the bread of life. And no matter what I strive for or I seek, it will never satisfy me in the same way that you can. That you are the only way to a life in its fullness, a life more than just existing. And I pray that for all of us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And as you go... Today, this week, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you.